You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 11. Today, we're in Malocent. by looking absolutely miserable. Probably the most miserable sort I've ever seen in my life. I'm making a lot of hyperboles today, but I'm serious when I say this is probably like the greatest five minutes of my entire life. tonight with uh, some noise from the summit of Mont Ventoux. Kate Wagner was up there earlier for the first crossing and I'm here at the finish with Lionel Burney. Lionel, what's it like to be back at the Tour de France? Well, it's amazing, isn't it? It's uh, the whole uh, gamut of emotions, really. The helicopter overhead, the the fans cheering, the air horn honking and the, the riders sweeping in round this corner. We're about 150 metres from the finish line and we've just seen Wout van Aert come past in his Belgian champion's jersey, followed by the Trek tandem of Malcolm Olimer and Kenny Ellisond. And then, Richard, I've never heard you cheer so loudly for a Danish athlete before. Jonas Vingago coming across the line in fourth place. Uh, gaining a bit of time on the yellow jersey. I actually don't know if he did hold on to fourth place, Lionel, because as they swept past you, I'm a bit taller than you, Mr. Tall and Mr. Small. <laughs> he, uh, he actually was just caught just before they came here and Paul looked like he was launching a sprint to come around them on the line. So our hopes dashed to some extent, but there was a, a crack, a little crack from Pogacar there close to the summit of Mont Ventoux. I mean, I don't want to, that to overshadow a phenomenal ride by Wout van Aert because what what a rider he is. You know, second yes in a bunch sprint and then he wins a stage that goes twice up Mont Ventoux. Not many riders can do that. Extraordinary. I mean, he's won every type of race in the Tour de France now, hasn't he, really? Um, future Tour champion, maybe. Oh, speculation, Lionel. <laughs> I'm getting carried away. <laughs> the new Lionel. I'm getting carried away. I'll tell you what, though. There we are. I'm 150 metres from the finish line, and because I'm trying to watch on my phone, which is on delay, I can be this close to the Tour de France and have no idea what's actually going on. That's the beauty of the event, isn't it? Well, let, we know someone who does know what's going on. He always knows what's going on. Let's go and um, meet up again with Francois, shall we? Well, Lionel, we've uh, we found Francois. Bit of a scare there because he was he was locked in the car briefly there. <laughs> we wondered why he wasn't joining us in this lovely uh, wine bar stroke restaurant, and he was locked in the car. Whose responsibility was that? Was that my fault? <laughs> yeah, that was your fault. You were in charge of letting Francois out the car. <laughs> he but loves it. He loves it in that nest. Yeah, Francois is out the car now. So mm. welcome, Francois. Yeah, well, I was fine in the car, mind you, but yeah. Well, you want to have dinner. You want to have dinner. Um, <laughs> Francois, uh, Lionel, a little correction from you for earlier. 
Uh, well, a correction, uh, a very early corrections corner and a retraction. Um, I said wow. that I was kind of uh, giddy at the sight of the Tour de France. M- Mr. Giddy. Mr. Giddy, yeah. The bunting and the sounds and the helicopters and the crowds. Um, I said that Wout van Aert had won every type of Tour de France stage. But, of course, he hasn't won a time trial, has he? Um, all of his previous three Tour stage wins have been bunched sprints. He probably would have won the time trial in Poe a couple of years ago had he not crashed into the barriers, uh, which ended his Tour that year. Uh, he has, of course, won a very impressive time trial stage at the Dauphiné um, a few years back, but um, Fini- yeah, finished fourth, there. Finished fourth in Laval, which is not bad either. Uh, not bad, uh, not bad at all, although I, I thought he might uh, might win that stage. He but went quite close at La Plonge de Belfi last year. He did, yes. Famously. Slightly overshadowed on that day, though. Yeah. Um, and the retraction, I mean, uh, maybe it's because I'm so giddy at being back in the Tour bubble, or perhaps I just stood in the sun too long, but I said... <laughs> that perhaps Wout van Aert is a future Tour de France winner. I mean, he may or may not be, but I, I'm not sure I really want to um, push the Pin your colours to that no, mass. No, not just yet. Although it was mighty impressive today, I have to say. It was very, very impressive indeed. Um, do you have a tale of the etape for us? I do, Richard. Yeah, no Mr. Men references oh. today. Sorry, we've already done Mr. Tall and Mr. Small. I thought you let me off um, yeah, quite Yeah, it could have been worse, it? could have been a lot worse. <laughs> uh, anyway, stage 11 from Sorg to Malocene, 199 and a bit kilometres. The first time the Tour has gone uh, over the Mont Ventoux twice in the same stage in its history. And the first time it's gone over the top and finished at the bottom since 1994. On that occasion, Eros Poli of Italy won in Carpentras. This time it was a finish in Malocene, and it was a humdinger of a stage. Carpentras or Carpentra? Carpentra. I mean, it's got an S at the end. You don't pronounce the S. Yeah, okay, okay. Carpentras. They're difficult like that, Yeah. the no. French. Yeah. In, uh, in Watford, it's Carpentras, but I mean, you know, I don't want to... Watford. Watford. Don't want to quibble. Um, yeah, a humdinger of a stage, wasn't it? Very early on, Julian Alaphilippe and Nairo Quintana were up the road. Uh, Quintana dropped back, but Alaphilippe pressed on and he went over the top of the first climb alone and was then joined by Dan Martin, Anthony Perez and Pierre Roland. And behind them came 13 riders, including significantly three from Trek Segafredo, Kenny Elisande, Balka Mollema and Julian Bernard, whose father, Jean-Francois, won a time trial stage on Mont Ventoux in 1987 at the Tour de France. And even more significantly than that, Wout van Aert was in there as well in his Belgian champion's jersey. One of the most flemmy performances ever by Jean-Francois Bernard. And <laughs> at one point I thought Julien Philippe was, was uh, the heir to that performance today. <laughs> Quite a flemmy performance from... Uh, that was there. Remember it well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, on the first ascent of the Ventoux, there was a sort of general shuffling of the order of riders as more people went across to the Julian Alaphilippe group. And that was when Wout van Aert got across and up to the front. A Flemish the rider. <laughs> Very Flemmy performance from uh, van Aert. Uh, Alaphilippe went over the top first. And behind, in the GC favourites group, Ineos Grenadiers were doing all of the chasing, burning through their riders one by one. Geraint Thomas, Dylan Van Bala, Jonathan Castroviejo, until it was just Michal Kwiatkowski with Richard Carapaz. Up at the front, the second time over Mont Ventoux, the classic climb from Bedouin up to Chalet Reynard through all the trees, and then the famous rocky bit at the top, uh, Van Aert, dropped Kenny Ellison. They were the two out in front, but uh, Ellison couldn't keep up when Van Aert went clear, around 11 kilometres from the summit. A couple of kilometres further up the road, Ben O'Connor, second overall, started to struggle, and he was dropped by the GC group. Uh, 
Mikhail Kwiatkowski was doing the damage, but then he came to a standstill leaving Carapaz, uh, the only Ineos rider in there. And we thought, well, this must be the plan. Carapaz now goes to put Pogacar under pressure. But in fact, Carapaz struggled, and it was Jonas Vingegaard who attacked the young Dane, uh, Richard's favourite rider for today, because Denmark are playing England in the football very shortly. Uh, Vingegaard looked really good, uh, gained quite a significant gap on Pogacar, who was struggling, and then over the top was chasing the Trek tandem, who were in turn chasing Van Aert. But as you heard in our intro, it all came back together on the run-in. Wout Van Aert was never going to be stopped from winning the stage. Then came the two Trek riders. Then Pogacar led in the rest, Rigoberto Uran, Calapaz and Vingegaard. And so overall, uh, a little bit of a shuffle around because Ben O'Connor has slipped to fifth place, meaning that Uran, uh, Vingegaard and Carapaz move up to second, third and fourth. The other fallers in the top ten, Enric Mass is down from sixth to eighth and David Godou is down from tenth to fifteenth. Wout van Aert, incredibly, is now second in the King of the Mountains competition behind Naira Quintana. Several riders have abandoned the race today. Tony Martin crashed out. Tosh van der Sander, who was in yesterday's break, uh, called it quits as well. So did Tish Benut of DSM, Miles Scottson of Group Armour FDJ, Dan McClay and Clement Russo of Arkea, and very sadly, Victor Campanats of Quebeca, our audio diarist. So we hope to hear a final update from Campanats. There was quite a poignant withdrawal, though, wasn't there, Richard? Yeah, he stopped where his father was standing waiting for him. And uh, one of the things that apparently inspired him into cycling was a trip to Mont Ventoux with his dad and his dad had come back to follow him and support him today and I think we knew that he was struggling you know his last diary entry uh, on the rest day uh, he he was he was he said he was cooked and he, he sent a few messages uh, emphasizing just just how cooked he was bien cuit well done yeah yeah so he was in in a bad way and I think you know the the weekends two stages in the cold and the rain probably took it out of quite a lot of riders I think Ben O'Connor possibly suffered as well maybe as a result of that today as well but yeah Campan Arts unfortunately we've lost the diarist we're down to three The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France powered by Super Sapiens Energy Management for committed athletes and coaches Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thanks very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens, the continuous glucose monitoring system. You wear the sensors in your upper arm and uh, you can track your, your energy levels on your phone. Um, we are running a competition with Super Sapiens. You can win three months' worth of Super Sapiens sensors. If you send us an audio clip of 60 seconds or less telling us why you would like to win this amazing prize, um, let's hear from another entry now, shall we? Hi, guys. This is Will from Pennsylvania. I've got a lot going on these days in my life. I'm a father to two foster children with our first biological baby on the way. I'm completing a PhD, and I work a a six-day-a-week job. On top of this, I am training for the Dirty Dozen, a race that's held every October in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, up the 13 steepest climbs in the city. With so much on my plate, it can be hard to get high-quality training in, 
and being able to use the Super Sapiens products to understand how I can best fuel for these rides would sure make a big difference as I prepare for this task in October. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Thanks for that, Will, and uh, good luck to you. If you'd like to enter the competition, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you'll see how to send in your audio clip. Um, and we're looking for the most, um, not necessarily most ambitious, but the most imaginative, or, you know, you might just want to, Super Sapiens to help with uh, improving your lifestyle, your fitness, your health. Um, it's for, you know, it's for committed athletes, but that that's a very broad spectrum of abilities. Um well, what a stage today. I mean, two times up, Mont Ventoux was always going to be uh, a huge undertaking. But we saw, I, I think the stage probably delivered more than I expected in a way because we had stories at the front, behind. We had riders battling to stay within the time. It's Soren Krau Anderson doing it for Denmark. Uh, actually threw his bike to the line, sprinted for the line and made the time cut by one second. It's a great omen. Um, <laughs> we are, as we speak, 19 minutes away from kickoff. Uh, so let's let's uh, uh, let's, 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 let's let the make the podcast a really long one, shall we? <laughs> um, anyway, what of an art, though? I mean, the the performance of the day, um, phenomenal. Matthew Van der Poel kind of dominated the headlines last week. He and Van Art are inseparable. Van Art was sort of in his shadow a bit last week. Couldn't quite, uh, you know couldn't quite get the yellow jersey from which I think was his main goal but we spoke to him on the rest day and he did say that he was feeling stronger and stronger he came into this race a bit undercooked you know he had his appendix out before the race lost a bit of uh, training and and preparation came slightly overweight as well apparently Um, but I think he's just getting stronger and stronger as this race goes on we saw him second in the bunch sprint yesterday and won in phenomenal fashion today I mean that was a that was a, a an incredible performance, wasn't it? Yeah, well, obviously, I I was uh, I took part to a radio show for France Info uh, just before I did the podcast. They kind of invite me every year once in the tour, and I was and I was saying it was actually Jumbo Visma's Swiss knife. You know, he can do everything. Uh, you know, <laughs> uncork the bottles and well, he did in a way there because I mean Jumbo Visma turn the screw. Yeah, well. <laughs> Uh, you know, Jumbo Visma. Before Van Aert retired, Jumbo Visma looked in, in. You know, compared to last, you know, last year they were dominating everything. They started the day by losing Tony Martin. So after losing, uh, uh, pretty much rightly their leader, that road captain Tony Martin, they had lost uh, um, Robert Hessing Robert as, well. as well, which was a, a, another kind of road captain for the mountains. You, you know, you, you had the impression, oh, really, Jumbo Visma having a bad year. He saved their their Tour de France. Uh, single-handedly, and and he might have yesterday, but because as we said yesterday, he came pre- really, really close to a Mark Cavendish in the sprint, and with the dynamic being what it is now, uh, tomorrow might be another burn sprint. I, it'll be pretty tired, I suppose. From uh, he might be a little bit but, tired, but you never, yeah. yeah but you never, but the, the <laughs> thing is with this guy, a little bit like with Mathieu van der Poel, you never know what he's capable of because I mean, if you look at his record, three times world cyclocross champion, he won. Milan San Remo last year, he won Strade Bianchi, won Gan Vevelgem, won Amstel Gold Race. Now he, wins a two, he won already three bunch sprints on Tour de France. Now he wins a, a mountain stage, came close to winning. A, to, well, you, you, you have, you're forced to ask yourself the question, uh, you know, where can he stop? You know, and the, and the thing is, okay, he's, he's a big guy, a really big guy, and probably overweight a little bit uh, at the start of this tour. But but in, in terms of the, the, his frame and the, and the, 
and and and, and his build, he's he, he, kind of reminiscent of guys like Miguel Indurain. I mean, you know, he, he, why uh, Indurain who was 87 kilos, you know, every winter before he went back to training. So, of course, it's 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 a little bit fanciful to use a word like on the second podcast to see uh, Wood van Aert as as a GC contender, but it, it's not impossible. And and I mean, this this guy is is. Really amazing, and every day, you know, probably discovering his own limits. So, uh, well, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I promised I'd drop the Mister Men references, but he is Mister Versatile, and and often versatility suggests, you know, being you know pretty good at a wide range of things, and so it's kind of a jack of all trades type, um, you know, quality, isn't it? But Walt Van Aert is excellent. At many things, you know, world class at many things in cycling. And Richard, you commented on it as we were watching him on the screen going up, uh, you know, Mont Ventoux. You know, just such a beautiful and efficient climbing style. You know, he he looks the part on the bike, and um, you know when he when he put on the power. You know, Kenny Ellisond, a pure climber in in every sense, really couldn't live with him. I mean, that was that was a really really impressive performance, made even more so by the fact that he was mixing it in a you know, 65 kilometer an hour bunch sprint 24 hours previously. I mean, it, it's it's staggering, really, this generation of riders. The, the versatility is um, is something that marks them apart. And, uh, you know, the, the, I don't want to get too carried away. I mean, I've already hailed him a potential future Tour de France champion. But really, why not? What year is he going to win the Tour de well, France, Lionel? I mean, uh, Pog is going to win the next <laughs> six. So after that... <laughs> well, maybe not. No, maybe, maybe not. not. Exactly. Um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he is a, in, a, in some ways an unusual winner of the Mont Ventoux stage because he's not your classic climber, whereas Kenny Ellison is. But I wasn't that surprised to see Wat Van Aert no. drop Kenny Ellison on, on the climb. No, but that doesn't mean it's not impressive. I mean, no, I'm not. I, I, no, I'm not saying that, that it's not impressive at all. It, it is impressive, but um, he is just as he's proven now time and time again in all terrain. You know, when when you look at you know, Strada Bianchi, you know, cobbled classics, Arden classics, time trials. Milan San Remo. He goes into Tokyo thinking that either the road race or the time trial could suit him. He's he is very versatile, but also one of the best in the world at each of these different, very different things. And 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 on his day we've seen before he can he can climb extremely well. He can climb with the best of them and you know with all due respect to Kenny Ellison, he's probably not the best of them. So that's what I mean by not being that surprised. Yeah, but I mean, what about Bakumulema? Because I mean, I, I heard I heard that uh, uh, you know re- remark made or this uh, kind of criticism saying, "Oh yeah, but he was in a breakaway. Uh, he was not with the very best, like you know, Eddie Bean with a Pogacar, no, no, yeah, and this guy. He might break. not have been at their level. First of all, last year he was with it in this group with the very best. Remember Orsia Merlet and uh, and uh, and other uh, other mountain stages. So he's been in that position before. And 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 to and on a climb like this to be you know uh, to, to in a way humble uh, uh, Kenny Edison, Bakemolema, Julien Alaphilippe, and and who are you know who can climb. Uh, it, well, is is yeah, r- really impressive. I did see Molomar came into the mix zone at the finish, uh, having been back to his bus and, and got changed, and, and then came up to the mix zone and dressed in, I describe it as gym kit, shorts and a t-shirt, all plain with no accreditation. And he, he was on his bike, and the ASO official stopped him, and he he said, oh, "I'm a rider." <laughs> and, and he didn't mention that he was third on the stage, but um, that was uh, that was quite a nice moment. Um, 
we, I mean, Jumbo Visma were in some ways the story of the day, weren't they? Because behind Van Aert on the upper slopes of uh, Mont Ventoux, we'll get on to the Ineos Grenadiers tactics a, a bit later, but um, Jonas Vingegaard gave us all a, a glimmer of hope that this tour isn't done and dusted. He he dropped uh, Pogacar. It was the first, there was no sign that Pogacar was in trouble. Vingegaard launched this attack, which was impressive. Pogacar followed him. But then he began to struggle. And it was slightly reminiscent for me of Egan Bernal at the Giro when there was just one day where he had a, a bit a bit of trouble. And, uh, you know, what do we read into it? Francois, you saw Pogacar's press conference. Um, oh, yeah, he was very clear, Brad. He said, he said, he said I, I cracked, you know, when he attacked, it was uh, really a staggering, blistering attack. I, I, I couldn't stay with him. And, uh, yeah, he said, I cracked a little. And, I, and he said, then I paced myself. To, I, I knew the, uh, the 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 top of the you know the summit was not too far, so I, I just needed to get there. I knew that you know full out in the descent and I would catch him, and and he, and he said, which is true. It, at the end of the day, it's it's a very good day because he, he had he had a, the the second place overall. Ben O'Connor at the start in Sorg this morning was two minutes down, and and now the second the second best place uh, rider just behind him is Rigoberto Uran. He's five. 18 down so i mean now he's made you know uh, he, he earned actually three minutes despite yeah what might be seen let's as a not weakness. get carried away let's not get carried away but oh, we're, no. we're we're kind of we're, we're clutching at straws a little bit aren't we because we want the race to be not decided mm -hmm. and there was just that i mean also to see a guy who's looked so to use kate one of kate's words resplendent and and um uh almost robot-like in his ability to ride very fast and not show any signs of suffering. He didn't really show any signs of suffering, but but he couldn't hold Vingegaard. And it was a really impressive attack from a, a rider who is also, like Van Aert, incredibly versatile. You know, I've not seen him do any bunch sprints, but he's a really great time trialist and obviously a great climber. And the other big thing, I was going to mention this about Van Aert, um, but it applies to Vingegaard as well, is that these two guys have had to completely recalibrate their Tour de France since uh, the back end of last week. They were not coming into the race. OK, Van Aert may well have had a little bit of agency to, to maybe target a bunch sprint here or there or... Um, but I think we saw from the time trial that, uh, you know, he'd come into the Tour in order to support Primoz Roglic deep into the race and be a real factor um, in the second and third weeks. And um, to, to have to uh, make that adjustment I mean, obviously, you know, they're talented riders, but uh, and, and, and having the, the freedom to ride for themselves uh, must be incredibly liberating. But still, um, you know, it's a complete change to what they were expecting to be doing at this stage of the race. I mean, Vingegaard would have been riding hard, defending uh, Roglic's yellow jersey or place in the GC or trying to set hard paces to shake off Pogacar or whatever. Um, the first opportunity he's had to uh, strike out on his own and he put some pretty impressive time into Pogacar on the final kilometre and a bit of uh, Mont Ventoux and of course the, the difficulty is uh, being the solo rider um, trying to stay away from a little group on the descent the odds are always against and uh, it came back together on the running and yet and yet Vingegaard himself Grisha Neerman on the rest date were really dismissive of, of any chances he might have of winning the tour and today Marijn Zeman the sports director also at Jumbo Visma um, I spoke to him briefly at the finish, and he, he was similarly almost suspiciously dismissive of Vingegaard's chances of actually toppling Pogacar. Yeah, two, two things about Pogacar. He, he doesn't like the heat. 
and uh, it's been it's been very rainy and cold since we left Brest, and now the the hot tour is starting. So maybe it could be a factor because obviously today it was a factor. We expected rain and storm, and it was actually very hot up there, out there, and and even at the top of Ventoux when it, where it can be very cold, it was hot and doesn't like this. Second thi- second thing about about Pogacar. You've seen that in Grand Bornand and, and in Tigny, every time you had a chance to catch guys who were, you know, for, for the, from the first breakaway, he let them have their day and win the stage. To, today, at the end of the descent, uh, you know, he really wanted to assert his power by sprinting for the fourth place to say, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not tired. I'm not, uh, I'm still in charge. I'm still the boss. But it was kind of, kind of a desperate attempt to prove, ah, well, you know, Nothing serious, you know. I'm still in charge. Yeah, I mean, the big thing that everyone else has got to worry about is that Pogacar's advantage is so huge. In recent Tour de France context, I mean, you've got to go back 20-plus years since there was anything like this sort of gap um, between the the sort of potential winners of of the Tour. I think, you know, the gaps were huge that year that there was the the massive breakaway to Pontalier. What year was that? 2001. I mean, that was a a really extraordinary um, and, and very different type of race and of course uh, the riders that were in that break Francois Simon I think was the, the last man standing um, when you know Lance Armstrong started turning things on um, you know th- to see a rider five minutes and a bit ahead of the, n- the nearest challenger I mean uh, uh, losing 30 or 40 seconds a time uh, to two mountain stages a week the others need the Tour de France to be seven weeks long before Pog's um, going to be in any trouble Unless there's some absolutely spectacular event, which is possible. Yeah, I, I heard the fantasy at the at the at the, at the uh, in the press center. You know, all the guys were discussing, and some guys from L'Equipe were saying the only way you know Pogacar can really be beaten now is in a, in an echelon in the coming stages. But but then I thought, you know, who whose interest would it be to 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 launch an echelon to try to surprise Pogacar? Uh, quick step, what for? They've got Cavendish at the finish winning the sprint. Uh, Jumbo Visma, there's five of, of them uh, instead of eight. Uh, wh- why should they do that? Uh, you know, uh, Ineos Grenadiers, who, uh, do they have the guys to do that? You know, uh, I don't think so. So I, so I really can't see who would be, would be in a position or would have an interest actually to, uh, to, to, to try and start an echelon against Pogacar. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, one man for Ineos Grenadiers who might have uh, been able to do that is Luke Rowe, who I missed out of uh, our list of riders who didn't make it today because Luke Rowe was outside the time limit, having been off the back very early on. So, uh, no, I agree with you there, Francois. Even if it was blowing an absolute hoolie, um, there's, there's not really the alliances at this stage in the race to really put the hammer down. But, you know, we live in hope. I mean, uh, he's, he, to see the yellow jersey just falter a little bit does offer a bit of hope. It's not over until uh, everyone's over the line in Paris, of course. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to our long-term supporter, Science in Sport, for their backing of the cycling podcast. We are staying in La Ferme des Belugues, run by Spencer and Karen, and they've been fantastic hosts for us since we arrived yes, we're staying there again tonight Spencer I learned this morning you sorry, learned something Karen uh, hails from very Watford. close to Watford pretty wow. much Watford closer so not to Watford, Watford than, not Watford but closer to Watford than I do what I was going to say uh, keeping it on, on track here on science and sport was that um, 
Spencer's a big cyclist, so is Karen. They have a lot of cyclists staying. They've got a very well-equipped bike space cellar, um, which has got everything that you would need in a, in a bike cellar, including uh, signed jerseys and photographs and all the science and sport products that you could possibly need. I don't know if he's bought them with the discount, but he was very proud in pointing them out. They were on, on brand, so that was nice to see. Um, if you would like 25% off all your science support products, go to uh, sciencesport.com and enter the code SISCP25. I snaffled our chocolate fudge energy bar, um, which I do owe you for, Spencer, because you've got an honesty box for that. So I will put money in that tomorrow, I promise. Wow. And if you'd like to win an energy bundle from Science and Sport, there's our weekly competition, the Super Sunday Science and Sport competition. Just predict the winner of Sunday's stage to Andorra. Go to thecyclingpodcast.com to enter. All you have to do is, uh, well, unless you're like me and you, you can't abide speculation, just predict the winner of Sunday's stage and you could win a big box of Science and Sport goodies. Well, on to uh, just one other uh, footnote from today. Um, the tactics of Ineos Grenadiers, um, before we move on to a bit of French culture. Um, a lot of scratching of heads over the way that Ineos Grenadiers rode today. They're really committed to it in the way that they have done in the past when they've had the yellow jersey. And a lot of people watching that thought that they were doing UAE Team Emirates' job for them, um, you know, giving them a day off in effect, although that didn't stop Pogacar being isolated still as they climbed Mont Ventoux for the second time. Rafael Maika was his last remaining teammate. But I was watching it thinking, surely if you a better way of putting them under pressure is to leave them on the front working um, and, and perhaps isolate Pogacar a little bit earlier on. But Lionel, you spoke to Sir, Sir Strategy at the, <laughs> at the finish. Mr. Strategy, Dave Brailsford, yeah. Um, well, I was a bit curious about this. I mean, I, I agree with you, Richard, that uh, really the, the sort of smart conventional play is to make UAE do the work and, and let them cook in the sun and then, then put the pressure on at a strategic point on one of those climbs of Mont Ventoux. I mean, let's face it, they were close enough together to really have a sustained final third of the stage uh, rather than kind of doing all the work early on. I I spoke, asked Brailsford what the thinking was because, of course, they, they went through all of the riders, didn't they? Geraint Thomas, um, Dylan Van Bala, Castro Viejo, until they were just down to Kwiatkowski and Carapaz. And, of course, nothing looks good when they put all of that work in and then as soon as Carapaz was on his own, primed for, to, to try and turn the screw, you know, he was unable to do so. So I asked what the, the thinking was and, and Brailsford said that, basically, they wanted to make it as hard as possible for um, Pogacar and uh, ride at their pace and, and make him ride at their pace, not uh, at UAE's pace, and, and dictate the day and just see what happened. Because we are only midway through the race. There is a lot of climbing still to come. Um, they, like us, have heard this rumour and, and, and have a firm belief that Pogacar doesn't like the heat. Um, I didn't feel it was that hot down here, but apparently on the climb it was pretty warm. Um, Richard, you commented that Pogacar didn't even unzip his jersey. Perhaps, um, you know, that was a little bit of kidology as well, just to, you know, perhaps going to put some arm warmers on next time it's uh, warm in the mountains, just to put this rumour to bed. I don't know. Um, but Ineos, the strategy was, can we get rid of somebody out of that picture? They thought they could maybe shake Ben O'Connor and just move Carapaz one step closer to the podium. Because if first and place, they did. And they did do that. Because if first place isn't up for grabs, then maybe second is the best they can do. And uh, a sort of a real philosophical Dave Brailsford I spoke to this evening was just basically saying we're doing the best we can with what we have. 
in the same time, I mean, if we saw Pogacar falter in in the last you know case of the the last climb, it was obviously in part because of the pace imposed by Ineos Grandiers before you know uh, in the climb. So in a way, they, they succeeded in you know making him falter. So if only for that, it was a kind of a successful. Uh, strategy. What's the alternative? Just as you said, Richard, just sit back and ride behind the, the UAE. Riders? When I thought about it afterwards, I thought the alternative is to just follow, you know. And um, you know, I could sort of once you explained all that to me, Lionel, I could see the logic. To it. There's no science to this, is there? I mean, there's no. We haven't. They, they, they are the teams are are sort of guessing too, um, and and they know on the road, you know, that it's very comfortable for. Pogacar to be near the front and have his team in front of him and to be looking after him and going at his his pace, um, the pace that he's comfortable with, and and just have another team in charge and taking control does maybe make him a little bit less comfortable. I, I really don't know. I mean, I could sort of see the logic and all that. They did manage to shake off Ben O'Connor. Maybe he would have held on had they not been dictating the pace to the extent they were. Um, but he had a bad day. Um, I think he was. He, I heard a little interview with him. We'll no doubt get an audio diary from him soon as well. But he's um, he's 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 pretty tired. And a couple of flat stages today. Hopefully he can recover a bit before the the climbing before his home stage to Andorra because he lives there like so many riders. But yeah, I mean, um, it, I guess it's 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 refreshing in a way not to see the team of the yellow jersey sitting on the front on mass on block with everybody else queuing up behind them doing nothing. It is refreshing to see a team um, not having that and, and, and asserting themselves instead. And, and to be honest, uh, <laughs> uh, how could have they could have they led the pace today? They were nowhere to be seen. I mean, for, for Moro, Micah was the last man standing, but, uh, you know, only after the first uh, ascent of the Ventu, there were, was no more uh, team, you know, UA team, Emirates team. So, I mean, to 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 to, to pace the, uh, the the climb, you, you you must be there, and they were not. So we're agreed. Pogacar is um, on the on the ropes. <laughs> Keep I listening, that's, folks. That's pushing it. No, it? I mean, but listen. We, uh, but I, I am I am kind of suspicious of the Jumbo Visma line that. Because, you know, nobody last year was talking about Pogacar possibly winning the Tour. Nobody. Until he did. And I think they're, they're sort of almost um, sowing the seeds of a, of a similar event happening in a way. That, uh, that anything can still happen. Um, we hope so. Because we want an open... Uh, we want a race, don't we? Uh, Francois, what have you got for us? We're down in your neck of the woods still. You've uh, been uh, indulging in some local, local delicacies. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. Some I'm, I'm kind of, uh, Yeah, I'm kind of back home. Uh, you know, it's, this is Provence. It's my region where uh, I've been living for many, many years. Uh, and, and yeah, um, you know, we're on a little, what we call placette, a small square, uh, uh, you know, beneath the plane trees. Uh, it's it's really uh, it's really Provence. I mean, we we can we we can hear the cricket during the day, the 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 the, the cicadas actually. They're not crickets because crickets are on the ground and cicadas are in the trees. But and uh, yeah, it it really felt felt like home. So I, I had pastis uh, on the, on the menu of the uh, of the restaurant here. They've got pied paquet. You don't know what it is. Uh, pied paquet. It means fins, feet, and package. And it's uh, it's a lamb, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, Dish, uh, it's 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 uh, there's a bit of tripes in there, and it's it's cooked in uh, in tomato sauce and stuff. I mean the, the 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 typical sort of dish 
usually Brits don't like, but uh, but it's 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 uh, delicious. And there's also bourrid de cabillaud. It's like a, a, a kind of bouillabaisse um, with with cod. So yeah, but back on familiar terrain for my stomach. Um, there is cheese also in the area. And so the cheese of the day, because we have a cheese of the day since the start of this uh, Tour de France, as you know, it's, it's called Banon. It's it's actually a little bit a little bit uh, away from where, from where, where we were today. It's, uh, but it's close to the on the other side of the Ventoux. There's a small village called Banon, and they make a, what actually one of my favorite goat cheeses. Uh, it's it's very fresh, very creamy, and it's wrapped in in chestnut leaves that you know that give him a taste of uh, yeah a kind of taste of a chestnut uh, it's if you have the chance to to to, ta to taste banon it's it's really really interesting very very nice little cheese it comes from that small village and the, the, the funny thing about banon uh, it's a village of 950 uh, inhabitants and it, it has one of the largest bookshop in France uh, and everybody knows it's called Le Bleu, Le Bleu and uh, people come from all over the place to uh, just to visit the bookshop and, and to, to eat uh, the, the Banon cheese. So that was the cheese of the day. Word of the day, we've, we've read one as well since the start of, the, of this Tour de France. And the word of the day is Pope. Why Pope? Well, because in the 14th century, you know, there was a rift between the, in Catholicism and, so, and so popes uh, fled Italy and found shelter in Avignon uh, and in, in all the regions. That's why you have a Palais des Papes, a palace of the popes in Avignon. And actually, the popes at the time, they, they had residences, you know, sometimes they went out of their palace in Avignon and they went to other places to, you know, to, uh, well, to get some fresh air. Or, and, and they had residences both in Sorg and in Malocène, the, the, the start and the finish of today's uh, stage. So, so Pope, you know, is, is, is an important, you, you'll see lots of wines and, and, and specialties of the area with, with the word Pape. Chateau Neuf du Pape is one, you know, uh, because of the, you know, the re reminiscence of this, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, the, the time when the popes were living here in, in Vaucluse. Uh, Pope is also a word that's been used in cycling, Pap, for, for us in French. Uh, remember, it was the nickname of Dutchman Jean-Paul van Poppel, the Pope of Sprint, who has two sons. Uh, you know, uh, well, one, one at least is, is, on, is, on the, is in the tour. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think maybe just both, boy, actually. Just boy, no, just, just boy, yeah. Um, so, and, and also, uh, lo lots of popes, you know, uh, had an interest in cycling. O only recently, I think, uh, well, the, the actually, I, I think the uh, the Congress of the uh, the UEC, that's the European Union of Cycling, took place in Vatican City. Uh, so, so there's, that, there's been close links. As we know, Gino Bartali was very, uh, was very, you know, religious and, and more than once, gave his uh, uh, yellow jerseys away to the Pope of the time. So, you know, Pope and cycling, they've always uh, fared well together. So today we were... Can I make a correction? Danny Van Poppel is riding today yeah, as that's well. Right. And, and actually they were separated yeah. today only by Rick Zabel, son of Eric. Yeah, so a real sprinting I, I dynasty coming in 122nd, 124th on, on the stage today. Okay, so so who would be the Pope of the Peloton these days? I have no idea. I don't well, know. it was Michael Landa at the Giro, of course, wasn't it? Because Gino Mader described himself as a Swiss guard uh, protecting <laughs> Michael Landa until unfortunately he crashed out. Um, he was the Pope. He's, uh, that kind of kind of fitted him well. That name, I think, yeah, will resurrect I mean, the Pope that. would be a good time trialist with the you know the pointy hat. Um, <laughs> very aerodynamic. 
I'm out of my depth here with oh, the papal talk. Oh, just dear. on nicknames, Lionel made it back, back on the podcast for just, 24 hours. <laughs> just on nicknames, oh, Your Richard. trial period's going well, though, Lionel, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard, today on our social media channels, well, you, you do your predictions of who, who may well feature in the... Uh, results in the Tour de France uh, stage and today I couldn't help but notice that all of the riders you picked were Danish there's 11 of them in the Tour de France so uh, you picked an all Danish uh, selection of riders Uh, the formation was terrible I mean you had all of all the riders in the wrong formations I think that Soren Kral Andersen and Kasper Askren would be attacking wing backs well he was a bit of a sweeper today wasn't he He Soren Kral Andersen and uh Mikhail Merku or Michael Morkoff would be just sitting in front of the back four orchestrating things orchestrating everything he yeah, is, he I mean, is, this he is all the hi- hypothetical of the because a Dane did not win today no but I'm looking forward to my bacon and a pint of Carlsberg to wash <laughs> it down <laughs> over dinner tonight there's never been a Danish pope as, as, as far as I know a, a last little thing because uh, mentioning these 14th century popes there was a guy living in Avignon at the time uh, in the, in the, at the court of the popes he was called Petrarchus he was a poet and you know what he did in 13 in 1336 on April 26 do you know what he did this guy called Petrarchus a poet well he didn't he w- win on Ventoux did he he did oh. he walked up the Ventoux oh he, he, he walked yes. up it yeah he walked up well there were no bikes at the time no. you know so, so he walked up the Ventoux with, with his uh, brother uh, well it was a long walk and when they, 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 they came to the top uh, they, they saw, you know, all the, the landscapes around, all the, 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 the panorama, and uh, being a poet, he, he said, well, it's, you know, and it's kind of an inspiration for writers. He said, well, it's, it's all very fine to try and, and, con- and conquer the summits and, and to watch uh, the, the, the landscapes and everything, but the truth is inside. That's what, that was the conclusion of his story about, you know, conquering the Ventoux. That's about it. Uh, cyclist of the day. Eric Caritou, I suppose we mentioned him already, but we were actually very close to Flassans, uh, the little village where Caritou is now a winemaker. So uh, if you want to, uh, you know, to do <laughs> to drink good wine and uh, buy wine from a former uh, rider, well, well, winner. well we, we know as we've, we that uh, you know cycling and wine are doing all right. We we had uh, Clément Chevrier, you know, turning from rider to sommelier. Well, we had already Eric Caritou turning from rider to winemaker so there you are and uh, we'll play out with the song of the day Francois yeah. this is one you've prepared earlier yeah the song of the day well actually uh, we were expecting rain as I said before and uh, we had a, a really is this the Travis one finally <laughs> we had, yeah we had, we had our first really sunny day uh, on, on this tour de France so uh, yeah so I, I, I chose a song called Hello Hello Sunshine well, we'll hear that in a moment. Uh, we'll play out with that. Um, it was a sunny, hot, sticky sort of day today. Um, but, uh, well, much better than yesterday. And we head to Nîmes, which I always associate with great heat. It's often very hot there. And maybe another sprint finish tomorrow. Um, and, well, who knows? We, we can't really say the, anything the, the about record. possible the record is up for grabs. records or anything. Let's leave it at that. Thank you very much, Lionel. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, Francois. Thanks. Hello, sunshine, come to my love. Hello, sunshine, come to my love. In honesty, it's been a while since I've seen you. 
Since we had reasons left to smile That old sunshine Come to my love I'm a man You're a man too So come on man I want to move with you We had reasons left to smile at a sunshine. Come to my love.